the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Do you long for your salvation and your sanctification to be made perfect in your resurrection? If not, stick around. We'll help you with that next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. When we pray that, one of the things we're praying is that God would indeed perfect our sanctification and salvation at our death and resurrection. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, and that's precisely what we're looking at today. Among other passages, besides Luke chapter 11, we'll also be in 1 Corinthians chapters 15 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as we take a look at this wonderful prayer that should be a part of our regular lives in Christ. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. I actually wonder how many people who have said the Lord's Prayer dozens and dozens of times have ever realized that they were asking God to perfect their sanctification and salvation in death and resurrection. Have you ever thought about that? That whenever you pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you are actually asking God to perfect what He has done in you in death and in resurrection. Our catechism question 195 says that when we pray the sixth petition, we are praying that our sanctification and salvation may be perfected Satan be trodden under our feet, and we be fully freed from sin, temptation, and evil. And this is exactly what we are praying when we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are not saying, deliver us from evil partially. Deliver us from evil gradually. Deliver us from evil the best you can in this life. We are praying, Lord, completely, totally, eternally, deliver us from evil. We are praying for total and unqualified deliverance from temptation, sin, and evil in all of its forms and all of its consequences forever. In other words, we are asking God in the sixth petition to bring us to that day when we will be so perfect and so mature as Christians that we will never have to pray the fifth and sixth petitions of the Lord's Prayer again, ever. Deliver us from evil, Lord, so we will never have to pray the fifth petition. 
So we will never have to ask you to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors because we won't have any more debts, no more sins to ask forgiveness for. And Lord, we pray that you will bring us to that day when we don't have to pray for you to lead us not into temptation because there will be no such thing as temptation. And we won't have to pray Deliver us from evil, because we will have been totally delivered from the presence of evil in heaven itself. Can you possibly imagine such a condition? It's very difficult for me to imagine such a condition, because I've been a sinner now for 62 years. But you know what? That day is coming. And we can be certain it is coming when we will be absolutely perfect. And I know it's coming for two reasons. I know it first of all because God would never command us to pray for something that he didn't intend to give us through our prayer. God would never say, okay, this is what I want you to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil unless he was intending to deliver us from evil as we pray that prayer. And the second reason why I know it is certain that someday our sanctification and salvation will be perfected and we will be above sin completely is because it is the promise of God. Let me remind you of a couple of familiar verses. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will keep on perfecting it until the day of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. When God starts something in you, he doesn't leave it unfinished. He doesn't do it halfway. God has begun a work of salvation in our hearts, and he will continue to work until it is perfected and completed in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns to earth. Then in Hebrews 7.25 we read, Hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. To save forever. To the uttermost, it says, completely and totally and eternally. Once God starts this process of salvation in us, He continues it until we are eternally saved in His presence in heaven. So when we look at the Bible, we can say that on one hand, the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross saved us from the punishment of sin by taking sin's punishment in our place. We can also say that the resurrection of Christ saves us from the tyranny and the power of sin, because having ascended to God's right hand by resurrection, He now sends us faith by His Holy Spirit as the spirit of life and freedom to overcome the spirit of death and sin in our lives. The Bible also teaches us that by Christ's second coming, at the end of the world, he will save us from the very presence of sin. So the Christian can say, I have been saved from sin's punishment. 
I am being saved from sin's power, and I will be saved someday from the very presence of sin when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for me. Now, our catechism says that when we pray the sixth petition, we are praying for the perfection of our sanctification and salvation forever. Now, let me take some time and break that all apart, both aspects of these. What the perfection of our sanctification means and the perfection of our salvation means. And the reason I'm going to do this is because the second statement is so much broader than the first. You see, your sanctification is perfected the moment you die. Your salvation, of which sanctification is but one aspect, along with effectual calling, regeneration, adoption, justification, glorification, etc., will not be finished and will not be perfected until the Lord Jesus Christ comes at the end of history and you and I are physically resurrected from the dead. So let's take them apart and we're going to look at each one of them. What happens to you when you die? When you die, your sanctification is perfected and completed. And what is sanctification? It is the power that began in you the very moment you became a Christian. When the Holy Spirit came into your life, and now He helps you live more and more unto righteousness, And to die more and more unto sin. For it is the Holy Spirit within you who helps you mature as a Christian. And who conforms you more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is a lifelong process. But someday it's going to be completed and perfected. And that is the moment you die. The moment you die, you will be perfected in holiness and righteousness. That's why the Bible speaks of spirits of righteous men made perfect, made made sinlessly perfect upon death. And at that point, you and I are fully and completely mature in Christ. This phrase completely describes us. We are a mature person according to the measure of the stature that belongs to the followers of Christ. For at that point in time, immediately upon our death, we are fully mature in Christ's likeness. And there is no contradiction in us at all to that Christ likeness. We are to press on toward Christian maturity every day of our life. But that maturity in this life is, will always be partial. But the moment we die, that moment we will be perfected in holiness and our sanctification will be complete. Now let me ask you a question. Why is it that this process of sanctification must be perfected at death? Why doesn't God just say, okay, I'm going to take this process as far as I can take it. But if you die before it finishes, that's okay. You can come on and into heaven half sanctified. 
Why is it that this whole process has to be complete and you have to be perfect before you can get into heaven? One very simple and obvious reason. God is a holy God. And he does not allow anything in his heaven except that which is perfectly holy. It says in the book of Revelation, Nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it or heaven. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The King of heaven is too pure to receive sinners into his bosom, said Pastor Robert L. Dabney. Now, sure, Jesus Christ, by his Spirit's presence, is in our lives here and now. And our lives are polluted within. But that is far different than letting us into his heaven. When we are admitted into Christ's presence at death, we need to be perfected. He will allow no sin into heaven. And I praise God that he won't, beloved. Do you know why? Because wherever there is sin, there is suffering. Wherever there is sin, there is sorrow. Wherever there is sin, there is grief. And in heaven, there is no grief and there is no sorrow. There is a life of total serenity, peace and godliness and joy and exuberance. And I praise the Lord that there will be no sin in heaven, which means the moment I die, this sinner has to be made perfect because heaven is only for perfect people. And we can only be made perfect as we are given faith in the Redeemer's power of Christ's death and resurrection. The old human nature with all of its sin, its vileness has to be completely and totally renewed before we can step into heaven. C.S. Lewis understood this, and he said, If we accept heaven as a fact, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and the most intimate souvenirs of hell. The slightest tendency, the slightest sinful passion, it has to be gone before we can enter into the presence of Almighty God. I love a this statement by Alexander White, who was a great Scottish Presbyterian of the, 18, of the 1900s. He lets his sanctified imagination go here as he describes what he thinks he is going to experience the second he dies, is perfected in holiness and stands there in heaven before God. Notice what he says he is going to say that day when he is absolutely perfected in God's presence. He said, When I awake... And hide myself in heaven. That will swallow all of heaven's other wonders for me. Is this in very deed myself? Am I actually in reality in heaven? Am I made worthy at least for the inheritance of the saints in light? Am I, oh my God, at last set free from sin? Am I now to be forever delivered from that hell-born thing that poisoned every hour of my life on earth and that so wrestled from me the best joys of earth? Oh, saints and angels in heaven, say to me and assure me that I am not in a dream. 
Confirm me, O ye holy ones, that I am not beside myself. I would not be surprised if every one of us has a very similar experience. This is me standing in God's presence without sin. Hallelujah, beloved. Now, this great biblical truth that we are perfected in holiness at the moment of our death and our sanctification is complete has several great applications. First of all, the believer should shake off any spiritual sluggishness and laziness because we know, to use the words of Paul in 2 Timothy, he does not win the prize unless he completes it according to the rules. In other words, only the athlete who carefully observes the rules of the game is in a position to receive the rewards of a sinner. Maybe you think you have secured for yourself all those heavenly blessings that God has prepared for those who love Him. But yet, you're, you're negligent and apathetic about living the Word of God. And you have no consistent spiritual life. Beloved, if that is you, then on the last day, the best you can receive is a terrible rebuke by God for that presumption and your lethargy and selfishness. You see, the completion and perfection of sanctification at death presupposes that the process began in this life. Nothing can be perfected that hasn't already started. So to say we are going to be perfected in holiness on that day of death is to presuppose that somewhere along the line, either before birth or after birth, we have been saved and are in the process of sanctification and being conformed in the image of Christ, are dying more and more to sin and living more and more under righteousness. And this has begun and there is spiritual growth in our life and there is a zeal for serving Christ. He does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So don't think there is nothing dangerous about lethargy and sluggishness and apathy in living the Christian life. Second, that the believer should be encouraged in his race and warfare in this life by remembering that he is not destined to run or to fight forever. This is a great thought for me, my friends. This race is not going to go on forever. The battle is not going to go on forever. A time is coming when the conflict between indwelling sin in the world and Satan and the Spirit of God in my life is going to be over and I'm going to be perfectly, naturally holy. You know as well as I from your own experience how effortless it is to sin. I mean, you don't even have to think about it, do you? You and I are so skilled at sinning that it is effortless. Well, someday that is going to be reversed, and we will be holy and righteous without thinking about that, without even being tempted to do otherwise. The fight with sin and the world and Satan will be over. 
The time is coming when we will no longer be seduced or staggered by temptation. When there will no longer be any more mind pollution within us. When there will be no hostile world trying to pull our souls away from God. And we are certain, beloved, to reach that goal. We know that is our destiny. Oh, we fight now. We sin now. We put our heart into the fight past the point of exhaustion and weariness. But we know the day is coming when all of this is over. Because God has promised us that if we do not weary in well-doing in due time, we will reap if we do not fail. Beloved, I'm looking forward to that day when I can lay down my shield and my armor and my sword. But now by God's grace... I will yield it as powerfully as I am able, as the Lord strengthens me. But someday, there will no longer be any need for that. There will be no more enemy, no more reason to fight, no more exerting yourself until your lungs and your legs hurt in running the race of life. The race will be over. You will have crossed the finish line, a day of final rest. Praise God, beloved. This is no fairy tale. This is fact. At death, the sixth petition, if you are praying it now, really does happen and you are perfected in sanctification. But as I have said, sanctification is a small part of the overall scheme of salvation. So we have to wait until the very end of life and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our physical resurrection from the dead. To experience the perfection and the consummation and the completion of the entire process of salvation. And that's why I read from 1 Corinthians 15 verses 42 and 43. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Notice the things that describe the body here. Do not describe the body after resurrection. What describes our bodies now? They are perishable. They are dishonored because of sin. They are full of weakness. But when the Lord Jesus Christ comes... And he raises us out of the graves. Our bodies will be imperishable. They will be glorious. And they will be powerful. And Paul goes on to say, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not fall asleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this imperishable must put on the imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality. So however glorious death will be for the believer, beloved, and it will be glorious, death is not the hope, the goal of our hope. It is not our only expectation. It is not the goal of our salvation. It is that day when God delivers us from all sin and all of its consequences, including death physically, spiritually, morally, forever. 
when this perishable will put on the imperishable and this mortal shall put on immortality. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now that's a great thought. That the very moment a Christian dies, his spirit goes into the presence of God, perfected in holiness. But then he says something else. He says, even after I'm dead and with God and perfected in holiness, I'm still going to have a longing for my resurrected body. He says, in a way, I'll feel naked without it. Because you see, the terrible thing about death is, it rips apart those things God intended to stay together forever. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is four. 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.